Hello and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Just feel to be mindful of a couple of things right now before I get going. Uh, first thing I want to be mindful of is to continue to play, pray for Ber- the Berkey family as they are with their daughter. Uh, just continue to pray for her health and full restoration. <clears throat> so play for Dan, Sherlyn, David. What's the daughter's name? Michaela. Thank you. I'd also like you to be in prayer for Monica Kelso and her family. This is the one-year anniversary of Ned's passing today. So if you could please be just mindful of that. I know uh, those kind of anniversaries for anyone that's lost someone close can be very difficult. And like we've been talking about, linear versus circle, like it all can come right back and feel sometimes as strong as when it happened. So... Just pray a lot of grace for Monica and her family, two daughters and son. And I'm really thankful for that time we just had praying for one another. You know, at first it was just, it felt a little awkward that I was praying for someone that was in the room. Why don't I just go pray for them? But I got to everybody. I would have never gotten to all y'all because you would be so distracting if I would have just prayed for you personally. But that was really great that we were able to do that. So that was a good idea. And my thought is, why don't we keep it up? Why don't we just keep those up? Spread them out? Was I in your way? Is that what you're trying to say? Was I in your way when when you wanted to pray for somebody? I think that'd be cool. He was in my way. I couldn't see. (laughs) (laughs) What I love about Jason is that he makes fun of himself more than anyone else. I love it. It's the best. Something else I really liked about that, and I don't know if anybody else experienced this, I actually felt like I was drawing from each one of them as I was praying. So I was blessing them and praying for them, but I also felt like I was drawing life from each one of you that I was, as I was praying for you. So thank you for giving me life today as I prayed for you. That was really cool. Okay. Um, my voice is struggling today, so partly by an excuse and partly just because I'd like to hear from you. Today is just going to be a little bit of a recap of last week as well as maybe just a little more explanation. And then I'd also like just a little bit of discussion. Maybe we can have some time where there's feedback that goes on. I don't have the board up here. I just now realized I didn't have the board up here. I drew, us, drew some things up last week. Huh? I don't, is the, is the, are the drawings still on it? Does anybody know? Do you use it Wednesday? Yeah, we referred to it. Oh, it was on the board while you were teaching? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. All right, so it wasn't erased. Um, yeah, and I just listened to the Bible study from Wednesday, and I, there was a part of me that by the time it was done with Bible study, I just wanted Jay and Barry to come up here and just teach today. But um, I don't get to do this as often as I used to, so just sit down. <laughs> sit down. So, uh, quick recap. I presented the idea that I believe from a heavenly perspective that the way the Lord and the heavenly dimension operate and work is much more circular or spherical in nature where we on earth in the natural realm operate much more linearly. We think in terms of lines and lists and order one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
I think there's a lot of that that goes on in our lives. And that does bring a whole lot of order to things. Like, it's really good. Like, Gary even made a little joke. Remember? remember anybody remember Gary's joke when I was preaching? When my boss gives me a list of things to do, should I have him put it in a circle versus a list? That was funny. He didn't do that? He didn't listen to you? He, give him this message then. But the reality is, for me, this was less of a talk about actual like tasks because I think we have a tendency when we talk about things, like I was talking about, wow, that is, that is really sloppy. Okay. Yeah, that's not going to help you at all, is it? <laughs> I'm going to erase some of this. Because if you weren't here last week, that's not going to help. But the reality is, of what I was trying to get to, was the thought process that, from a priority perspective, and again, don't think in terms of tasks and things to get done, because I think we have a tendency to go that direction. We're a very doing creature when identity is not the focus. We are going to default to one or the other. And most human beings outside of intimacy with the Lord, I think the more intimate we are with God, the more identity is important. And as we kind of traverse away from intimacy and more into more of a just rote type of religion relationship with God, then it's much more task-driven. Much more, I do these things for God. I, God wants me to do something. I actually think the will of God is who you become. I think at the end of the day, when we talk about what the will of God is for your life, I think he has a picture, not a list. I think he has a vision, not I hope he or she does. I think he thinks, and any good mom or dad would think this way, I hope he or she becomes. Now here's the problem. Some good parents will also think, I hope they become, and what do they often think of after that? A doctor, architect, engineer, successful. Hello? Are we there? But we need to think more in terms of, I want he or she to be healthy, yeah. abundant, happy. You know, happiness is really important for the human soul. In fact, when I was walking around praying for most of us, one of the things that kept coming to mind to pray over you is fullness of joy. Because I know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And man, if you're feeling weak, there's nothing like a good laugh. It's like medicine. That's the medicine that brings the strength that brings, okay, I can make it. I can go do this. I can go be this. I can go whatever it is I need to endeavor to do. So, okay, so back to thinking process. Again, when I was talking about first, second, third, fourth, it was less about tasks because sometimes you just need to get something done. You need to bake the cake. You need to build the house. You need to, whatever it is your list is, go do that. I don't care if you make it in a circle or in an oval or a hexagon. Just get your stuff done. I'm thinking more in terms of who you are and what has value in your life. And so when the Bible, and I, this, this is something really important I want to make sure we're at. When the Bible says the word first, it's less about first in a list of things. And it's much more about being the center of or being the source of. So when God is first, 
there's not usually a second. Hello? Like God doesn't want us to worship him first and then something else second. Are you guys with me? Like when he wants us to worship, he wants us to worship him. And then who else does he want us to worship? <laughs> him. <laughs> right. So if you want a list, just be Jesus, 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 Jesus. The point is, I think it's less about this and more about this. So then, and I started talking uh, last week about the fact that if, if it's circular, and almost think of it spherical, think of it like a beach ball on either side of this board. Less of a circle, but I can't draw 3D. So if you think of this spherically, and then everything else in your life orbits or has proximity to first, who is center. So I want to almost like interchange those two words. Instead of first being the first thing in a list, first is the one and only. And that's where the definition of purity scripturally comes from. The idea of there is only one. So you can't worship your job when Jesus is first. You can't worship your spouse or some other person in your life that has just like lording over you. You can't do it when Jesus is first because he is the center. And then everything else in your life takes its place orbiting around center, around first. And the beauty of this picture, what I love about this picture and this way of thinking is that everything else in your life has equal access to first to Jesus. There is no one or no thing in your life that has more access than something else. So this is how I think it's meant to be and not just meant to be. I actually think this is how it is. Like I believe this is how the universe is ordered, naturally, spiritually. We talked about like the planets orbiting around the sun. If you look at any particular galaxy, it kind of does some kind of circular motion. You guys with me? Unless you're a flat earther, then I don't know what to do with you like we talked about last week. But if you are anyone that respects, no, this doesn't make erase anymore. Anyway, okay. So I also think the order of the natural things is much more circular than linear. I think what man does is he jumps into the middle of the creation and it feels a little chaotic to him. And so in order to bring some sense of order, we make lines. We make things level. We make things straight. We put corners. Like I talked about last week, you go out into nature, go find a 90-degree corner. Go find a level line. Yet in the creation is level. Are you with me? Like if anybody has a level or owns a level and you put it there, you don't have to put it on something to get the bubble to be right in the middle. So that means level exists. By the way, what's, this, uh, what's the shape of your bubble? Oh. <laughs> it's pretty circular, oval, whatever it is. And again, I'm not talking about perfect circle. I'm talking about around, okay? Let's not get technical. Wayman, I'm watching you. I'm going to give you some explanation today and some more practical reasons why I believe that linear thinking will actually take us out of balance. And if we can start thinking more along the lines of circular or spherical thinking, I believe we come into harmony with who Jesus is. 
And that is honestly the goal of not just this particular message, but actually the goal of this year with Jesus as center. Because the Bible talks about this, and I think the more we can come into alignment with what the Bible is talking about here, the more our, li- our lives harmonize. And the harmony is simply this, the recognition of whether or not we decide at any given moment to live like Jesus is center has no bearing on the fact that he is center. That sounds like an overly simplistic statement, but I'm going to say it again. Whether or not we choose to live as Jesus being center does not negate the fact that he is. Does everybody make, understand what I'm just saying there? Okay, so at any point in time when I put myself into that place of first, or I put my wife into that place of first, or I put my work into that place of first, and I begin to think, and we all do this, I'm just going to tell you, you do this when you don't realize it. You put something else into the place of center, and then everything, you attempt to prioritize your life based upon that thing that is first. Your life will be out of balance. And only you, by sheer force of will, can make that list or that line take place. And the entire time you're doing that, trying to keep that going, trying to keep that thing at center, there's a magnetic pull that wants to pull that thing out of orbit and put Jesus back into that. Are you with me? This is really important. This is not the universe telling you, make Jesus center. This is the universe telling you, Jesus is center. This is a huge mind shift because most Christians think in terms of, I need to get Jesus or first. I got to make Jesus my first priority. Anybody ever grow up in church with J-O-I? Jesus, others, you? Anyone ever heard that? Okay, I'm sorry if I introduced that to you. You never heard that before. Just forget that. (laughs) I'm really sorry. You all look like I never heard that before. The reality is, is Jesus is center in everything else. Simply because of a decision that was made before there was a line called time. Jesus decided that everything would revolve around him. And not only would it revolve around him, but then he would be outside of it, holding it all inside of himself and holding it together. So the good... And the bad is centered in Jesus. And I talked about this last week. If not, then redemption can't take place. If Jesus is not center of also the evil that's going on in the earth, then salvation and hope for restoration cannot take place. Here's the reality. And it says it right, we were in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Colossians. Can we put Colossians back up? It's Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, 15. We're just going to go through a couple verses right there. Whether we recognize it or not, whether we make our lives come into alignment with that or not. So it's a misnomer, and I actually believe it is a practice of futility to try to make Jesus center. He already is. This is the beauty of 
of the decision God made before there was time. I am Alpha. And that doesn't mean like number one in a list. Neither does omega mean the last in the list. Alpha and omega means this all mine. It's all mine. He is the image and the invisible of the invisible God, the firstborn. We talked about what firstborn meant. Anybody remember that? He just was. It wasn't the idea that he was the first one birthed out of a womb. The word actually means he was always. Like he was the center. He is and continues to be it. Keep going. By him, how many things were created? All, both in the heavens and on the earth. Everything, visible or invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. How many things? All things have been created through him. Not first in terms of order, first in terms of source. Everything comes from him. Everything is going back to him. Everything comes out of him. Everything goes back into him. This should bring incredible security to your life. There is nothing outside of Jesus. Can we just all take a collective sigh of relief? I mean this with all sincerity. No matter what stress, worry, fear is currently in your life, Jesus is at the center. Sourcing it. Loving it or loving you. Giving abundant life to whatever it is you're concerned about. Thinking you're all alone in. I promise you, if this is your reality, you are never alone. But if you lived in list, if you lived in a priority structure where it's first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, you can actually move yourself farther away in your mind from Jesus being important. And the reality is you can't. It's like you try to run from Jesus and he's just always right there. That's why I love the picture of the children of Israel marching around in the desert. No matter where they were, that mountain was in the middle. They're like, that thing, no matter where we go, it's right there. That's exactly the way it is with the Lord. You cannot run away. Your fears cannot get away from the security of who God is. Your fears are afraid that you're going to realize Jesus is center and they're going to dissolve. I feel like it's just kind of sitting out there and it's not going into the heart yet. So let's, let's, let's talk about some different... Oh, let's, let's finish these verses. 17. Oh, this is my one. This is the one I want to just hang in there with for a while. He is before all things. Now, we talked about this last week, but I want to hammer home on this again. When you hear the word before, you normally think of the word before in terms of a time sequence. This happened before this happened. In the reality, what that means is that not only did he exist outside of the linear landscape of time, but he is also literally before all things. And here's the beauty of him not living linearly. He is before your past as if it's right now. Because he does not live inside linear thinking. Again, this is my, this is my submission to you. This is what I think happens. I think Jesus exists outside of time lives inside of 
this type of scenario, which means your past is right in his face. And at any moment you try to bring it up, he wants to remind you, I have it. I healed it. I forgave it. I washed it. Whatever it is that's happening, I'm right there in front of it. Here's another beautiful way to think about this. I love this. Do you ever cut a tree down and look inside the tree this way? You never really get to see it until you cut a tree down. Or if you cut a limb, you see it a little bit. But when you look down onto the cut tree, what do you see? Oh, what do you see? Oh, you don't see lines. Anyway, you see, what? Okay. You see circles. What do those circles represent? Years. Time. Right? So the most inward circles of the tree are what? When it was young, and the most outward was when it was older. Here is the beauty. I, like, I just, can you just think about this for a moment? Inside a tree is every moment of its life. Inside of you is still every moment of your life. All you old people, you, you still got a young one in there. Your 13-year-old self that wants to be an idiot is still in there. And you know it because sometimes you still think like him or her. Our three-year-old self. Has anybody ever realized you're 50, 60 years old and you're like, where did that thought come from? I remember thinking that way when I first got behind the car and all I wanted to do, behind the wheel of a car, go 100 miles an hour. Anybody else? Like, okay, maybe not you. Me, only me. The point is... I believe young you is still in you. And there's also multiple verses in the Bible that say all the years of your life have already been thought about, planned, seen by the Lord. And he actually says he placed what inside of your heart, the Bible says. Anybody know? Eternity. This. That's eternity. Do not think of eternity in terms of a really long line called time. Think of eternity in terms of, and Jesus actually just defined eternity for us in the book of John. He says, you want to know what eternal life is? Knowing the Father and knowing the one whom he sent. If you want to know what eternity is, it's not really, 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 really long time. It is this. You and I, here's the incredible thing. Not only are you really young right now, you are also really old right now. Oh, I mean this. You can have the wisdom of an 1,000-year-old man right now. It's just as accessible as your 13-year-old stupidity. Or let me put it this way, your 5-year-old wonder. Your six-year-old, I love everybody. Yeah. That your 50-year-old self's like, there's about. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. It's all available to you right now if this is the way you think. Yeah. But if you think in terms of a line, no matter what your age is, each step that you take farther away from when you had awe and wonder, the harder it is to get back to it. Because you're creating space between who you are and what that person was. Yeah. How are we doing? Great. Is this making any sense at all? Yes, it is. 
Okay, I hope so. Let's just do, yeah, so he is before all things. Thank you. I'm not sure who I'm thanking there, but just thank you. He is always in front of every part of who you are. Not just who you are right now in this moment, but who you were, who you will be. All of that is right in front of him right now. And that is why your father anticipates all that's possible. This is why he's so hopeful. Because he knows what's possible. Because it's before him. He is not like, well, I cannot wait for him to get to 63 where he finally gets it. No, it's about you can get incredible things, not when you finally get old enough to understand it, but you can get it right now. It's all accessible right now. This, this is why I believe wholeheartedly if we can start thinking this way, we can access the supernatural. Things that go outside the realm of the natural are available if we think this way. Like, I know for some of you, like right now, you're like, Mark, come on, man. I am this age, and this is the only age I am. And I say to you, that's linear thinking that limits what's possible in and through your life. I really do. I think it does. It limits me when I think linearly. When I think the past, that's it. I can never go back. I can never heal it. Actually, you can. You can right now because he is before it. And it says, and he holds it together. Here's the incredible thing about holding things together. Does anybody want to lose something and never get it back? Like something that happened that wasn't good in your life. You'd rather just lose that and never have it back. Sorry, can't do that. That's why you have memory. I think it's because he is holding it all together. Mark, that was a terrible thing. I don't want to ever even think about that, let alone experience it, whether it's actually or in a memory again. And I think the Father's like, if you can see it with me, oh, I will show you the beauty and the power still resident in that moment if you look at it with me. You can pull from it things. You only pulled pain from it. You only pulled hardness from it. You only pulled bitterness from it. Come here. Look at it with me. And I will show you the power, the growth, the opportunity, the possibility that's inside of it. How you doing? Uh, What's 18 say? Okay. So he's also the head of the body. We talked about that last week. That head doesn't mean boss. Head doesn't actually mean the top. It's the word kefele. It's the, actually the place from which all things flow and everything else hooks in and connects. I love it. I feel like that is such a beautiful picture of what real head is. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will have come to have first place in everything. The only way you can have first place in everything is if you're at the center. <laughs> How are we doing? Okay, so... I, want, I told you we were going to have some discussion. So just a couple more little, like, natural as well as biblical examples of where I see circular thinking, where I think it's so important. Think of the idea of sowing and reaping. How many people have heard that term, sowing and reaping? You will always reap what you sow. That is the only way you can reap what you have sown is if it's a circle. 
Because, and we have, oftentimes we think of reaping and sowing as you do a bad thing, you better watch out. Something bad's going to happen to you, right? You know how we usually think of it? That's not how the Lord thinks of it at all. He's actually like, you're full of seed. Yeah. So you ought to go around now. Instead of people telling people they're full of something else, yeah. tell everyone in your life you're full of seed. You are full of seed. You, right there, you. Yeah, you're full of seed. And they're going to look at you like, I have no idea where you're from. I'm in the circle. Just tell them, tell them I'm in the circle. I mean, you're already weird. Just finish it. Here's the beauty of being full of seed. Circles are all around you if you sow them. If you sow seed, harvest is one of the most beautiful and natural examples of a circle. You throw a seed into the ground, and you, you just keep walking. And if, you know, a lot of farmers, because they invested money in the seed to put it in the ground, they're not forgetting about the seed. They know it's there, and they know that they're going to come back, everybody say back, back. to go get what the seed produced. But some of us are sowing seeds right now and we completely forget about them. Yeah. And we just keep walking down our linear timeline and then one day our harvest just smacks us in the back of the head. Does anybody have this experience? I'll give you a simple example of this. Anyone that's married has done this. So you come home from work, husbands mostly, and you didn't have a great day and maybe you're lady didn't have a great day either and so you start talking to her and you kind of talk kind of like a little sharp or at least not very thoughtful and you're just kind of saying things and you know for a little bit she's taking it and she's like oh okay he's just having you know he's processing but you don't even think about it and you're just kind of just talking and you're kind of reacting to her not based upon her you're actually reacting on how your day was anybody ever done this you're not actually talking to the person you're actually talking to the person from what happened in your day. And you're not talking really nice. You're not, and you're just, okay, I'm done. Do that for a couple days. And not actually consciously do it. Maybe I'm the only married man that's experienced this in this building. But all of a sudden, I come home and I had a really good day. After three or four days of not so good days. And I can't wait to come home and be all like, Hey, I think you're beautiful. And the response I get is, who the hell are you? And I'm like, every guy has said this at some point in time in their marriage, probably hundreds of times. What is your problem? I'm the only one? I'm the only one. Okay, I'm the only one. What is your problem? Oh, what is my problem? And then she will proceed to tell me what your problem is. And you don't even realize that for the last four days, you have been sowing seed, and it's about to come back. That circle is coming around, and it's going to whack you in the back of the head, and you're going to be like, what is your problem? Hello? And it's not your wife or your husband all the time. Sometimes it's the people you work with. Sometimes it's whatever it is. Here's the point. The point is, these circles are happening whether you know it or not. This sowing and reaping principle is happening. You are full of seed. Your words are some of the most powerful seeds you have. And before they were words, they were thoughts. And before they were thoughts, they were beliefs, attitudes, 
conditions of your heart. And eventually those things come out, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They go out into the atmosphere. They sow. They literally go into the earth, into the atmosphere, and they sprout a harvest. And that harvest comes back. And it feeds you. That's the entire point of seed. It was intended to not only feed you, it was just enough to feed you. You would sow one seed and you would get back one fruit. But how many times have you noticed that one seed produces many fruit and inside of the fruit is what? More seed. See, the circle is inside of everything. It's inside of everything. So if we were more mindful of the fact that everything in our life is a circle, then we would realize in the moment while we're saying something, I am sowing seed. And I will eventually have the harvest of this thought process that's now becoming words that I'm now sowing into someone else, and that will come back. Hello? But if you're thinking linearly, you're just like, I got tasks to do, I got stuff to do, I'm the man, I'm the woman, and then poof, it hits you in the back of the head, and you're, it's like, like the circle will come and get you. It'll get you. The beauty is, if you're sowing blessing, and you're sowing faith, and you're sowing honor, and you're sowing intentional love, what's coming back? Hello? All of those, and not just one seed, but a multiplied harvest of that. I believe that is the simple formula of heaven on earth. I think the seeds of the kingdom are inside of every single one of us. And if we are intentionally not just doing our lists and getting the job accomplished and getting to that end point on the line, but instead realizing that the whole point of this line that I've created called my day is to make sure every seed I have sown is going to come back and create a harvest of righteousness. You guys all right? There's a lot of phone scrolling right now, so I just want to make sure we're okay. We okay? Huh? They're on the Bible app. That's what they are. Good. Okay. That was a beautiful redemption of that moment. Thank you so much for that. I mean, I have other biblical examples. I don't want to just cherry pick them because they're there. You know, Joshua marched around Jericho, right? You know, it's going to do really good. Sunday school lesson. But man, when they realized, and the, and the entire point of marching around Jericho was to have what was in the center. That's the point. If we think in terms of this, I'm not saying you can't have lines in your life. Because look, uh, oh, there's no pens. Okay. It, ah, thank you. So I know a little bit about math, just enough to get me in trouble. But I do know that lines come and touch the circle at different points. And I think that's called a tangent. Am I right on that? Tangent. Okay. So at this point where it touches the circle, that's our moment of revelation. So you can be going down your task list. You can be going down your thought process of being more goal-oriented than identity-driven. I believe there's a difference between those two. I believe if you're identity-driven, you will get an incredible amount of work done, but the center will always be Jesus. 
And so while you are working through, you will have moments where your line touches this, and it's like a, oh! The point is, it's supposed to kind of wake you up to move you from this, and then what, what I think it's, what, this is what it does for me anyway, I begin to wrap my line around the circle. And it begins to pull me in. And it, like there's a gravitational pull, we talked about this last week, to spheres that are, when, when things are already orbiting, Jesus is center, am I right? That's what the Bible says. Jesus is before all things. He is holding all things together. That's that gravitational force of him being center. And when my destiny and goal-driven mindset touches that, it pulls me in. It's actually like a wake-up call, harmonize with the heavenly. Ooh, I like that phrase. Harmonize with the heavenly. Come into the way I think. There'll be less striving and there'll be more productive work that happens. Okay, uh, one more thing, and then I just want to talk for a few minutes. Uh, so in Bible study on Wednesday night, I loved how Jay and Barry both kind of brought back the idea that the Bible is actually a beautiful circle. And if you look at it from the perspective of Genesis to Revelation, you'll realize that Genesis 1 and 2 are in Revelations 21 and 22. Am I right on that, right? Where you actually see the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and this beautiful picture of seeing the redemption and the restoration of all things, you'll actually see so many similarities where it's just bringing us all back. And <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I put another circle on the board. I don't think people remember. It was during Christmas where I was talking about how in Genesis 1, God makes man in his image. I'll just draw it really quick here again because I think it's really important. So Genesis 1 God makes man in his image. And then here, God, sorry, man. Ah, man makes himself in his own image. This is what happens. Outside of relationship with God, you and I begin to build ourselves outside of how he originally designed us. Has anybody ever found themselves in that scenario where you decide, I think I'm going to do things the way I think they ought to be done. This is when we start making lines instead of staying inside the gravitational pull of Jesus as center. Okay. Jesus sees this because Jesus is the Father and he comes and that's the cross. Okay. And not, well, sorry, no, incarnation. Damn, I'm screwing this up, but I think you can get me here. Yeah, it's terrible. This is better. So this is the incarnation. What happened at the incarnation? Come on, somebody. Silent night. Holy. Jesus becomes? God becomes man in Jesus. He's Emmanuel. I think this is the greatest miracle of all creation. By far the greatest miracle of all time that God, the center, first, decides to become one of these. It's incredible. So, Genesis 1, God makes man in his image. Man decides to start making himself in his own image, however he thinks is right. Jesus comes to say, hey, hello, I'm your dad. This is the way you're supposed to live. And then the cross comes. And this is the power to restore back to what God originally created. 
The entire picture is salvation. That's salvation. I think all of it's a circle. You can't do this in a line. There's no way a linear way of thinking can get you to do this. Only circular, spherical thinking. This is how this works. All right, how are we doing out there? Tell me what your thoughts are. Anybody have a thought? Anybody thinking? Good. Anybody have something they want to share? It's going to take time. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have some linear thinking in your life. Just remember that those lines should be constantly, and I'm not trying to be overly mathematic, but tangentially, tangentially touching the circle, pulling us in. Look, there's lines inside the circle. I'm sorry, what'd you say? It be broken. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like Abraham is just, like if you think of things outside of the linear thing called time, Abraham's right here. And everything Abraham had in the Lord, you have, and abundantly more. And because Abraham is right here, he gets to enjoy everything about the Lord we enjoy. Mark, what are you talking about? So it talks about how in Hebrews that there's this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, surrounding us. All around us is this great cloud of witnesses. And they're all like, not just like, we're dead. But like, we're with you. The reality is every father and every mother that's ever passed on, every child that's passed on early is now part of that heavenly cloud. And they're saying, we're with you. Don't stop. Keep realizing this. Like, like I don't know how this is going to sound to you, but this great cloud of witnesses is really excited that this guy is talking like this. Because if, if I was just constantly talking about what you need to get done, what you need to accomplish, what you need to do. I believe the awareness is much more about your list of what you need to do versus the reality of who you are. The reality of who we are is that every single one of these people, don't forget, this is a sphere. It's a son or a daughter. This is not stuff to do. This is people. The only thing that's around this thing is people. I know we want to try to say, you know, uh, political issues or world events or things I'm dealing with. The reality is he does not look like, for example, just to get real plain and simple with you, like the uh, Ukraine-Russian war, the Israel-Hamas-Palestinian war. He's not looking at that as two separate geographical nations fighting for land. He is seeing it as his sons and daughters not in harmony. That's the way you pray. You pray in a realization that it's very linear thinking that causes war. If you thought circularly, you would realize that every one of those people is my brother. But they're thinking in terms of, this guy's my dad. No, 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 this guy's my dad. And because those two have a different dad, the reality is, go one more up. 
come up here. Any other thoughts? I want to make sure we're all together. Yeah, Dylan. Can I get some microphone? <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, this is kind of a question that I think we brought up during our home group was uh, we were talking about heaven, and I don't know if I shared this or if I internally asked it, because I do that a lot, right, honey? Um, <laughs> um, uh, the question is, like, what age do we go into heaven? Like, and then if we don't think linearly, uh, we could be all ages at different times or yeah. at all times. Or... That's a great question. I do not think, and this is a big one, I don't think the Lord thinks of us as a certain age. And that's why sometimes when, like when Abraham and uh, Sarah, Abram and Sarah, were throwing up the fact that they're this old and this old, God's like, what are you talking about? You can have a baby whenever you want. Come up here. Live where I live. You can have a baby whenever you want. Here's the reality. You and I are the ones who throw our age out as to why we can or cannot do something. It's linear thinking. I am now at this age, so I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Or I am now this age, I get to do this. Or I've gotten to this level of financial, and I don't have to do, or I have to. We have all of these things that are markers for us that I don't believe heaven even recognizes. And I believe it's all based in linear thinking versus spherical thinking, which is I have been, always will be my father's son. And as a result, it doesn't matter what I do on the earth, what I accomplish, or what I fail at, I will always be his son. That's it. That's the marker. That's the only marker he has. Now, don't get me wrong. There's incredible things that happen as a result of that reality. But my value in no way, shape, or form is determined by that. My value starts and stops at the reality that I'm his son. How are we doing? Great. Fantastic. Okay. Thank God loves us. But here, this is something very important I want you to understand. From that identity, a lot of work gets done. A lot of serving happens. Hello? But it doesn't determine value. It doesn't determine proximity to Jesus. It doesn't determine some kind of crown in heaven. Like, I think we've totally misunderstood who's closest to the Lord, who gets this crown and that crown. Guys, the well done, my good and faithful servant, I think has way more to do with who we are, not what we've accomplished. I believe this. I remember one time Rick Joyner had a vision. I think it was in his book, Visions of the Harvest. It's powerful. And he shows Rick, he takes him up into a vision, and he shows Rick this homeless guy who's walking down the sidewalk, and this cat walks out in front of him. And this homeless guy has had everything happen wrong to him in his life. Like, he has just been a victim of a whole lot of stuff, plus he's done a lot of stupid stuff. So he's just an angry, bitter, sad, lonely man. And as this cat comes by, he's just like, I am going to kick the living crap out of this cat. Anybody else ever feel that way? And something on the inside of him just rose up, and he says, don't kick the cat. And so he doesn't kick the cat, and he keeps on walking. 
And Rick's like, why are you showing me that? And the Lord says, wait. And then he shows him this other picture of this man who had been doing incredible things for the kingdom, giving millions of dollars away, serving in the nations, and all of this stuff. And he asks Rick the obvious question, which one displayed greater faith? Who, which one did more for my kingdom? And of course, Rick's like, the dude, giving all the millions away and serving the nations. He goes, no, actually, that one. Because, and Rick's like, what are you talking about? He's like, because of everything that happened in that guy's life, he got to the point where he was just like, I, like there was more grace available inside to not kick the cat than there was to give the millions and go to the nations yeah. and all that. And so there's this understanding that we, I think, lack in linear thinking when we look at something and we, we measure it, value it based on what we see in the natural versus what is actually going on in the spirit. And I think that's one of the things I'm trying to get at today, that I believe if we actually come up into this different way of thinking, we'll see the way the Lord sees. So back like in uh, Isaiah, when the angels are going to and fro, and Isaiah is all so upset because the king had died, and I don't know what we're going to do, and it says the angels look out over the earth, and he says that, and all he hears the angels yelling back and forth to each other around the throne is, the earth is full of the glory of the Lord. That's all they're shouting back and forth to each other the entire time in heaven, and Isaiah is in the presence trying to tell the Lord how terrible things are on earth. And the Lord's like, hang tight. Listen to what they're saying. And all he hears, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, all of that great stuff. And it's the perspective. Linear thinking in my mind will always have us thinking about what's wrong. Spherical, circular thinking, because we all have this close proximity to the Lord, we always get pulled up to see from his perspective. And I want to tell you something. I am fully convinced that heaven is excited about everything going on on earth. It is not weeping and crying and trying to figure out. They're not having planning and strategy meetings in heaven, trying to figure out how to not get something to happen and to get something to happen. I think they are rejoicing over Jesus. And they're just telling him how great he is and receiving of him. And when that exchange is taking place, you are worthy. I love you. You are worthy. I love you. Healing, restoration, abundance begins to take place in the earth. Hello? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Um, toward the end of 2023, I started to get bugged by superlatives. It seemed like I was seeing them everywhere, probably because it's the end of the year and everybody's saying best of this and most, whatever, most influential 2023, best whatever. It's like they, you know, clickbait. And it was starting to really bother my spirit, this idea of something being most or best. And I think that this is what's going on inside of me a little bit. Like this, this um, ranking of things that disregards the hidden mess, the hidden value of a thing. What'd you say? Yeah, like every time they would say something was best, I'm like, yeah, but there's so. 
How do you, I mean, you're not, how do you even, I don't know how to explain this right now, but I was starting to become very angry about superlatives. Like anytime somebody's the best or the most, I'm like, you can't. Mm -hmm. you, you can't, you're, you cannot, the Father himself is in those other ones that you're laying, you cannot rank right. these things. You cannot measure them. They cannot be um, defined, the, the, the true thing here, the full capacity of this, you cannot even possibly measure it. I'm not even sure what you're trying to do right now, but it was, it was yeah. I was upset. Yeah, because you were getting pulled out of linear thinking, yeah. and the realization is that the people that are down at the bottom of your list are just as close to the first as what you're saying is first. Even like with students, you would see, oh, this student's the best, and I thought, yeah, but this one just overcame dyslexia to write a paragraph. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't. Right. Congratulations on the profound statement student yes. one, but over here is... That's the homeless guy that didn't kick the cat. Right. Yep. yep. I think sometimes when we, we, we see that, it takes our attention away from all the good things that happen around us and gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I think we need, you know, it's a distraction. It's a world distraction to say the most, the best, because it pulls our attention to something that really doesn't matter. Right. right. I totally get what she's yeah. saying. Yeah. So like in most, <clears throat> in most scenarios in your mind, it would probably make sense to your brain to say the person preaching in the church is probably the one closest to the Lord. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Because if, if I were to say to any of you, you're preaching next Sunday. <laughs> any of you. There would be a few of you that would be like, bring it on, man. But I will say most of you would be like, not me. And I will tell you, most of you would relate that to who you think you are to the Lord or how close you are, or how close you think you are. And then you have some who, when they hear that, they think they're super close to the Lord, and I love giving those people the microphone. I'm sorry, but I do. I'm a little bit of a torture, torturer in this. But sometimes a microphone is one of the best mirrors for people. I've had this over the years, because this is somewhat of like a free, spirit-led church, okay? And so they take the microphone thinking they have got the word. You ever felt that way? They like have this moment like, I cannot wait to say what I'm about to say. And then as they're saying it, I've watched this happen multiple times right here. As they're saying it, they realize they didn't have nearly what they thought. And it's like, not only does it just go out and barely fall in front of them, it does not go out and touch anybody. And they like, take the microphone and put it away. And then you've got those people that, oh, they just didn't hear the Lord through me. No, the reality was you thought you were where you're not. Anybody? You, you hear me or not? Okay. Like, like there's times where you cannot wait to do a thing and then as soon as you're doing it, you realize I am not at all prepared to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. And here's the reality. The reality is that's because you're somewhere on this line versus more inside of that circle. That's where I'm going. Well, hi. I'm not ignoring you anymore. 
So who's, can someone give someone a microphone here? I'm going to get out of the way. Okay, so Mark, can we move this? Can we just slide this? We can just, okay. So we, we did an outreach on the street yesterday. Some of you might know that. We had 17 of us, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, so thank you guys for any of you that participated with us or prayed for us or helped in any way. Thank you. Yeah, heartfelt thanks. We had 100 uh, survey sheets that Diane made up, which were awesome. And they just simply, add, it was a way for us to engage the uh, crowd. And we just asked them where your hometown was, what did they like about their hometown, and how could we pray for their hometown. So out of the 100 survey sheets, we have 78 responses, which I was very pleased with. That's 78%. I'm like, thank you, Lord. That's really good. That's good, isn't it? I mean, for just kind of winging it, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, so I was just very thankful, and I still am. And so part of the little gimmick part of the survey was that there would be, uh, if they wanted to give their name and contact information, uh, we would do a drawing today at this time, and, okay, you're mixing them up a little, okay, thank you. Uh, and the, the recipient of the drawing would receive a $200 gift card. So we prayed, we told them we would be praying over the uh, prayer requests that they shared. We had some, we had one from Mexico, hometown, uh, I can't pronounce the name of the, I couldn't read the writing really, but it was in Mexico, okay. We had one from Oklahoma, we had one from uh, Arizona and California. Many from, of course, most of them were from Chambersburg, I'd say roughly 65%, uh, surrounding areas, Waynesboro, Greencastle. And so we prayed for these on the spot, most of them. So on the streets of Chambersburg, this was really what was in my heart, that we would be praying for people in Jesus' name with the love of God in our hearts on the streets of our community. And I want to say overall, it was very well received. It really was great within a two-hour period. So anyways, so we have these today. We've asked Jason to do the uh, honors of, uh, of drawing, uh, so, but we, we, the kids are helping us. What we did with the kids is we prayed over these individually, just like we did with uh, uh, the exercise earlier. We went around, okay, and put our hands on and prayed. Uh, we did that for each of these, and, uh, and then we folded them and put them in the box. Connor has regularly mixed them up for us. And so now we'll get Jason up here. Jason, okay, Mike's bringing him up. Awesome. Not yet. Okay, Jason, here's, no, no, here's what we're gonna do, Jason. Turn around this way. We're gonna do, the kids are so happy that you're picking, I'm telling you. You know how excited you are? Yeah. They are just as excited. <laughs> and they're gonna do a drum roll. Okay. Okay. So when they went, the best drum roll of their lives. 
It's going to be the best drum roll of their lives. Okay, so this is an honor. This is special. Uh, <laughs> right? So. No peeking. What did you say, Jason? No peeking. <laughs> okay, so when the you know let them do the drum roll. When the drum roll stops, then you'll reach into the box oh, okay. and draw the, the winning oh, okay. name. Okay. Okay. Okay, reach in there. Pull it out. Pull it out. Just get one. Just get one. Just get one. Okay, is that it? Okay. Connor, can you read the winning name? Marissa. No way. We got, a, we got contact information here. Yes, you were right. Marissa. Marissa is, she gave us contact information, so we will, con I should ask, is Marissa in the house? Very good, Marissa. Marissa, did we meet you on the streets of Chambersburg and you showed up today per invite? Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to, Marissa, if you're listening online, congratulations. <laughs> Hi, Marissa. Congratulations. Per your contact information, we will contact you this week and make arrangements to uh, send or uh, you can pick up uh, your $200 gift card. So, yes, we're excited about that, okay? So, just let me say, Marissa's from Chambersburg. Ew. What do you like about our hometown? Marissa likes small businesses. And she said, how can we pray for your hometown? She said, continued growth. So that could be in a lot of areas. So let, we're just going to pray right now, okay? Father, we're thankful for Marissa. And we agree with you for the prayer that you put on her heart. We just lean our hearts into that as well. And pray continued growth in every dimension for our community of Chambersburg and surrounding communities. Now, guys, let's do one more thing. We'll keep Marissa here. I want you to stand up, please. Connor's going to hold these out here so we can see them. They're just right here. I want you to extend your hands. Here, Jason, put your hand on here. And I want you to agree in prayer for every prayer and every person that is represented by uh, papers in this box. Jason, you pray. I agree with you, God. Uh, just watch over these people and uh, just be with them and just give them the strength to get through the weeks and months and years to come, Lord, and be with their families, Lord, and just bless them. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And again, we're going to ask, Lord, that you would be the center, the center the of center. every person in this Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. And thank you, kids. That was the best drum roll ever. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.